Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Mystic Lake has modified its golf policies to follow the COVID-19 public health recommendations and welcomes you to play this award-winning public golf course. It offers a unique, challenging, and scenic golf experience. The Meadows at Mystic Lake is a full-service golfing destination, enhanced by nearby food and entertainment, including the Meadows Bar and Grill and Mystic Lake Casino Hotel. It's never too early to book a tee time or shop the pro shop. Stop in or visit GolfTheMeadows.com. That's GolfTheMeadows.com. Owned and operated by Shakopee Midwakanton Sioux Community. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Yeah, well, you know, he, hit, he hits two 53-yarders or 52-yarders or something in the game. He hits a 53-yarder the week before to, uh, to get us into overtime. Um, you know, this kid's kicked well. He missed a couple this week. You know, that wasn't the reason why we lost the game. Dude, I, I still can't get over. I love this new Zen Zim. He's talking about the kicker. Like, Listen, I don't know why you guys get so worked up about kickers, all right? Just give the kid a break. Kickers miss kicks. I'm, I've, I've, I've always treated kickers with the utmost respect. Me, Mike Zimmer, <laughs> with a deep side. I don't like this Zim. Give me the old Zim. He hated kickers. He's learning from his ways. The old ways didn't work. Being a grouch just... <laughs> push your kickers away now Oscar he's trying to embrace it now probably because he feels the heat so good for him it's like zimmer went to like how to handle kicker counseling or something or therapy in the off season by the way uh this is purple after dark mackie judd executive producer declan and uh, our friend realistic randy you can also check out his youtube channel that has uh, getting close to ten thousand subscribers so check that out and uh give his content a look and our mission statement is very simple we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die, and starting 0-2 is uh, not the way to take steps in the right direction. If you are watching us on a TCL TV, we appreciate it because TCL is uh, offering a new lineup of award-winning TVs, the most entertainment with stunning resolution at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Purple After Dark, presented by Surly Brewing Company. And Realistic Randy, the floor is yours to rant or talk about whatever you want. Lead us off here on this episode, sir. I'm sure we'll talk about the kicker and that whole situation, but I want to start with this. Let's go back in time, gentlemen. Two weeks ago, I did a parlay on declarative predictions that I had for your Minnesota Vikings. I think I did four different predictions. Two of them, I'm not far off. The other two, I mean, you might as well throw the whole parlay in the trash. I said, that the Minnesota Vikings would have the number one run defense, 
so far, and I get there's 15 more games, but so far through the first two games, they're 21st. I said they would have a top five scoring defense. Right now, they're 27th. This defense has been nowhere close to what we thought that it would be with the additions through free agency, the signings that they made. You combine that with 28, they're 28th in yards per game allowed, 26th against the pass. Back-to-back games of giving up touchdowns of 50 yards or more, back-to-back games of giving up explosive plays on fourth downs. Dalvin Tomlinson, that was the marquee free agency signing. He's been a no-show. I get that he's in the middle and, oh, it's, it's all the things you can't see and it's nasty, but Michael Pierce, he's the true nose tackle. He's noticeably making plays. Bashad Breeland, Judd, to your point, we talked about this last week. I still stand by my take of, okay, listen, Cam Dantzler with Harrison Hand having a nice training camp, Chris Boyd making plays in the preseason, you're certainly not going to jump over Bashad Breeland, Mackenzie Alexander, and Patrick Peterson. So I understood initially why Cam Dantzler was CB6, but I'm sorry. After the first two games, I'm done with Rashad Breeland. It's time to put Cam Dantzler opposite of P2. Bashad Breeland has been a disaster. Whether it's giving up the 50-yard touchdown to Jamar Chase in week one. And really, that's one touchdown he allowed, but I'm going to count two because there was also that big-time pass interference call that set up the touchdown to, I believe, Joe Mixon. So that's really two touchdowns allowed by Bashad Breeland. Mm -hmm. And then... The screen pass touchdown to A.J. Green last week, what we saw on Sunday, where, I mean, I don't care what the scheme is. Forget the fact that, okay, Zim, why do you have your cornerbacks playing six yards off that deep in the red zone? But this, I don't care about the scheme at that point. We're talking about make a tackle. You couldn't even do that. And then he gave up another play, a big play to A.J. Green later in the game. So at this point, you have to play Cam Dancer. But the bottom line is this defense, listen, this is the one thing, and I, I said all I had to say about Zim and how I think he's a fraud, and I still stand by that. So I'm, I'm just going to speak facts and just say, okay, this is what it is. This defense, 2018, after the choke job, week 17 against the Bears, you had a chance to make the playoffs. I don't know if it was the post-game presser or the end-of-season presser. Mike Zimmer got up on that podium and said, well, you know what? I know the season didn't go the way we wanted it to. But look how good my defense was. So, okay, this is all that matters, right? Glorified (laughs) defensive coordinator, right? (laughs) Your defense has been hot garbage. If that's all that you rely on, you met with your quarterback for the first time a couple of weeks ago to to do film study, you are hands-off with the offense. Defense is your calling card. What's going on? What's happening here? I don't want to hear that we're a couple of plays away from being 2-0. You can say that for damn near any team in the league. It's time to show up. Bravo, man. Bravo. And and the defense of your, your observations about the personnel, and in particular guys like Tomlinson and Breland to me, are dead on. Uh, Delvin Tomlinson, to your point, is your significant A1 2021 March free agent signing, right? So I that... That's the guy that you signed instead of a guard. That's the guy that, that you yep. signed instead of a lot of guys where you could have used help. And and I'm with you, and I, I brought this up a couple of days ago on the show, and as Phil said, 
you know, it is hard to tell interior line play. But if someone's playing well, Randy, you're right. You notice them. You notice Michael Pierce. Um, the Pat and Kevin. How many games went by where, where you said, boy, I, you know, they played well, but I didn't see them. You saw them. Dalvin Tomlinson, I think, got his hand on a ball on Sunday that eventually was uh, boomeranged around and was caught by a Cardinals player. But other than that, I don't remember for the second consecutive, consecutive game seeing him. And, yeah, for, for the fact that Mike Zimmer clearly told the Wilfs and Rick Spielman, hey, sign these guys and I'm turning this damn ship around and we all t- talked about if you do this right you're a top 10 or preferably top five defense two games in and i know it's two games in so there's a lot of time to improve but two games in you're towards the bottom of the league again somebody's lost their touch boys at this point i'm uh, i'm on espn.com and i'm looking at something called pass rush win rate Four here balls. okay that's right that's right. I said pass rush win rate. Get those nerds! 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 And they so it's essentially did you do your job as a defensive front on a pass play and uh and as a, as a collective did you apply pressure or did you there's probably a more scientific explanation but they're simplifying it for football fans here. So Tampa Bay the first 2 weeks has a 63% team pass rush win rate where somebody Somebody at least beat their man or however they're quantifying it here. 63%. The Chargers, 62%. The, the lowly Jets are 60%. Um, they're pretty terrible. <laughs> the Vikings are 29th in the NFL for the first wow. two weeks. 35% mm-hmm. team pass rush win rate. And what was the biggest concern? I mean, look, like I remember Arif from The Athletic was writing about this all throughout the spring and the summer. All right, it, Sounds good on paper. You're going to get two nose tackles together, and they're going to just take up a bunch of space, and it's going to be great. And, you know, you can always put Sheldon Richardson in there if you need a boost on a passing down, right? But um, but there was a bunch of questions about, okay, these guys are these guys both basically do the same thing. They're run stoppers first, might get a little pressure, um, but that's not what their main role is. And it kind of feels like it's not that the Vikings are getting no pressure because – Daniel Hunter has a handful of sacks and uh, and a bunch of pressures, but DJ Wanham is not a big pressure guy on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson isn't a big pressure guy, so where's the pressure coming from in these first two games? Um, I know there's a couple sacks here and there, but by and large, it's been way too easy for Joe Burrow and Kyler Murray to just sort of do what they want. Kyler Murray can escape pressure, too. Sure. That's the problem with guys like him and Russell Wilson this weekend. Well, I thought that three of your four starting defensive linemen would be legit. I thought they would be straight. And to go off of what you said about Daniel Hunter, that was one of my parlays where I said Daniel Hunter would win NFL comeback player of the year. Hasn't we'll find out at the end of the year. But so hey, he's far, tra- he's so tra- far second in sacks behind Chandler Jones. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's on track to do that. But mm-hmm. Dalvin Tomlinson and DJ Wanham. DJ Wanham, I always was just saying I I think he should start ahead of Stephen Weatherly, give this guy a chance. But he's the guy that clearly, okay, if there's one weak, one weak link on this defensive line, it's going to be one of them. But Dalvin Tomlinson, I mean, you were supposed to have consistent pressure up the middle 
of your defensive line. And you really don't have that unless Michael Pierce is doing that. And he's supposed to be the nose tackle that frees up guys like Dalvin Tomlinson. So unless you're going to send blitz packages with a guy like Nick Vigil, who he, he has been, we have talked about Dalvin Tomlinson. He's the marquee free agent signing. I think Nick Vigil, I lo and behold, he was the one guy said, all right, dude, here's this guy. He's going to be the third linebacker, but he might really be the biggest return on investment for the Vikings from this free agency period. And Xavier Woods is off to a good start, too. He's off to a good start, too. Those are your two guys so far. But I guess the one thing I will say to that is, going back on Nick Vigil, is that the thing with Mike Zimmer is the pride factor. I talked about how he loves his first draft pick, Anthony Barr, assuming that he's healthy again and he gets back. Nick Vigil, as well as he has played, I'm firmly expecting Mike Zimmer to say, okay, we're going to relegate you, Nick Vigil to the third linebacker spot, which means we're only going to see him in four, three sets, which means we're barely going to see him at all. So as far as the pressure, where is that going to come from? Your nose tackle and Daniil Hunter, it's going to be a long season if that's the case. And don't confuse, to me, individuals' success, because there are some players on this defense individually who are, are going to be good. We can't confuse that with, overall team success defensively which this team has had in the past not of late though so to me um Kendricks can be great he's a fantastic player Hunter same thing there are going to be guys that excel and I feel like some fans are gonna glum on to that and be like yeah but look at how well so-and-so is playing okay but if the entire thing is not going well uh here's the other thing and he didn't grade well on Sunday and I haven't heard it talked about much you guys and I feel like it's taboo in this town but it's time to broach it here on purple after dark Greg oh, Joseph boy. yeah he did not grade well at all on Sunday no no veteran just signed a new contract beloved in the state of Minnesota a golden domer Harrison Smith's not off to a good start Harrison Smith is not off to a good start he did not not have a good grade on Sunday and I don't know the weird thing and this is what's hard to tell I don't know if he's not being put in a position to succeed, uh, if the schematic's not working for him, or if there's been a drop-off, and it's two games in. But I've seen him more so than ever react to plays instead of be in front of plays. Yeah, it's I, I, I go back and forth because I think it's really hard to gauge a defensive performance against Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Um and also, it's only been two weeks, and the Vikings defensively, I mean, they, they made this bed themselves, so they don't, they don't get to play this card that I'm about to play for them. It's a bunch of dudes who've never really played together before. Xavier Woods and Harrison Smith have never played together before, and then the two cornerbacks that are starting. Like, it's all new, and, you know, Judd and I talked about this last week, too. They probably need another, like, three to four weeks to gel before they peak defensively or start peaking, but they might not have that much time. Like, sorry, you don't get the luxury of just like trying to figure it out for six weeks when you got Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, and Kevin Stefanski on the horizon on your schedule. So I, I don't, I'm not ready to say that Harrison Smith is going over an age cliff yet based on the first two weeks and based on playing Kyler Murray, but it's probably something to keep an eye on. I mean, he's definitely at that age where guys start to erode and he just signed a huge contract. Um, you know, he's been amazing to this point, but it's probably something to keep an eye on. Yeah. I'm not ready to say that either. I think based off of what I've seen is that it's schematically speaking. 
There are so many times where Zimmer has Harrison Smith just run up to the line of scrimmage and then chase back. Oh, it's a fake blitz. He's going to chase back and drop into zone. Well, going back to the back-to-back plays of explosive fourth down plays by the opposing offenses, this is kind of a bigger picture speaking here, but the way this defense operates, and this is even going beyond just these first two games of this season. This quite honestly, has been the case for the last couple of years. This defense, it just looks like it's designed to minimize or neutralize the little plays turning into big plays. So stopping a rush attempt from turning into 25 yards or stopping a screen pass from turning into 25 yards. But what I've seen is that if the offense simply says, you know, we're just going to outright go for the expo- the explosive play for the deep passing attack. That's where they have had the most success on Mike Zimmer's defense. So I think it's I think putting Harrison Smith and doing all this back and forth, especially with a guy like Kyler Murray who isn't afraid to go deep. I, I don't think Harrison Smith is losing a step at all. I think it's a scheme. And to keep and keep in mind too, Bashad Breeland and I. This was, I believe, reported before Monday night's game. And and look, the Lions looked like the Lions by the second half of that Packers game. But Cam Dantzler ranked dead last among NFL cornerbacks in terms of grades from Pro Football Focus through the first two weeks. So, how many snaps has he played so far? I would say a pretty healthy amount, right? The first Cam two weeks. Or excuse no, me, Bashad hasn't... Breeland. Excuse Bashad me. Bre- Bashad oh Breeland. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. That makes sense. How much? How much Kirill Kaprizov <laughs> Russian vodka have you yeah. drank so far? <laughs> too much. Yeah, too much. Bashad I should buy Breeland. that on Bashad Breeland. Yeah, yeah Breeland, you're 100 percent right. Yeah. Yeah. Bashad terrible. Breeland ranks dead last. So that, how much sure is that? Harrison. Yeah, how much is that yeah. also then limiting Harrison Smith? I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm just saying that that Smith shouldn't when he when he doesn't look good, something's wrong somewhere. It might not be him. But if the scheme's it's not, not right, and and also for the second consecutive week on his podcast, Pat P talked about the fact that the PFF grades on him personally that this is actually I love, yes, funny I love are wildly <laughs> off. Um, and he said that he gave up. He's like, not so, my fault, guys. He it did my fault. He, but, but that's exactly what he says. He spends the podcast basically complaining about the grading and how they don't <laughs> know what their scheme is, which they don't. But but um, so he said that he did give up the touchdown pass to Hopkins on Sunday, but he was charged with like three more catches, which he said weren't on him at all, including that second touchdown where, where he got caught in between. Rondell Moore. Yes, he said that's not on me. But anyway, the point being is schematically, I'll go back to this. That's on somebody though. Like like you can't just have free release. Sorry about that. So that's on somebody. So what I'm curious about, and of course he doesn't talk about this, is who's really to blame? Because something's because something from somewhere is going wrong. Like you can't just be like, well, touchdowns happen. I, I, I'm kind of in on, like, Vikings players having their own podcast to bitch about pro football That's focus right. and each other. Like, but if they lose to the Seahawks. players do it, too. <laughs> pro football like, focus, what do they know? That's what <laughs> Well, but the funny thing about that, I mean, this is way inside ball, but, like, when players complain about pro football focus, and, well, they don't really know what they're looking at, and, like, almost every team in the NFL pays huge sums of money for pro football focus to do consulting for them. Um, and to help them grade their own players and stuff, it's kind of funny. It's like, oh, the Vikings are actually probably using Pro Football Focus to help g- determine whether they should sign Patrick Peterson in the first place. So, 
Anyway, well, that touchdown he gave up to DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, Kyler Murray, he bought himself yeah. so much time. And yes, he kind of just had a brain fart and kind of let DeAndre Hopkins go. He was fo- focused on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. That touchdown to Rondell Moore, no one was in coverage. There was no one there. Correct. I think that's coaching. Why no, that's was no saying. one? Why was no one there in that area to at least make the tackle? If he's going to catch the ball, whatever, okay, fine. No one's there to even make a tackle. That's coaching. That's what I'm saying is forget the fact. Stop trying. If I'm an opposing offense, I'm not going for these five-yard slants or whatever. Based on what I've seen from Mike Zimmer's defense the last couple of years, I'm just going to air it out. Just go for the goal. Go deep touchdown pass and make it happen. And the opposing offenses, they've had much success doing that. But Patrick Peterson, besides that touchdown, I thought he was – relatively okay um to your to your general point about mike zimmer you know that you started the show off with here and by the way if you're just joining us if you're if you're hanging out with us live on the purple daily youtube channel or score north twitter or facebook this is purple after dark phil Mackey, judd zolgad declan goff and realistic randy is uh, our guest every tuesday hanging out with us here presented by surly brewing company um you know if you've got a head coach that you know is all in on defense, and the defense has been very mediocre to awful the last couple of seasons. And he has very little to do with – I mean, he's outsourced offense. He has really no meaningful relationship with the quarterback. He's not a great end-of-half strategist or schemer or clock manager. I mean, he's, he's ordering squib kicks with 25 seconds left with one of the longest-legged kickers in NFL history um, ready to kick a 62-yarder. It's like if your defense isn't top ten and amazing, what is the point of doing this anymore? You know, and I and I'm not a call for heads guy here, but it's I like, am. dude, you your defense needs to be really good this season, or it doesn't it doesn't offset the other things that you're not paying attention to. I mean, it's fireable to just have as bad of a relationship with your quarterback as he has, and I think the Wilfs and Spielman have let that slide because, well, his defense is. You know, they've been pretty good. 2017, they were elite. If we could just get back to that level. But it's like, how close are they? Are they going to get back to that level in time this season? It doesn't feel like it right now. No, it does not. It's I'm tired of the excuses. It's time to put up or shut up. Quite honestly, I'm sick of this guy getting up to the podium and saying, well, we just got to work on this and we could still be really good. We've heard this for the last two weeks now. Yeah, we lost this game. A couple of tweaks here but we can still be really good. When are you going to be really good? I, I, I'm just I'm just at the point now where what else is there to see? Whether it's, okay, the defense was good four years ago, or, okay, if we let him go, who do, re, who do we replace him with? Well, we had Brad Childress. We had Leslie Frazier. We had these head coaches that weren't great, were too afraid. It, it's just this guy has done nothing. That is the bottom line. As a as a head coach, this guy has done nothing to warrant saying, okay, it's my way or the highway. This is my team. We're going to win games. It'd be one thing if it produced results, but it's not. I'm just flabbergasted that he's gotten this far in his head coaching career. And it's not even, I'm not, I feel like I'm being fair here. I'm not saying go out and win a championship. too many things can happen i'm just simply saying i'm sick of seeing this team go out there in important games 
after starting 0-1 against Cincinnati. This is an important game against Arizona. And, I mean, both ways that you ended both halves where you do what? You call, and I don't care that Clint Kubiak is the offensive coordinator. He's following your leadership. A minute left, you're at midfield. You call back-to-back run plays. With one timeout remaining, you drain 25 seconds left. They were playing for a field goal that entire time. Mm-hmm. And then with 41 seconds left at the end, damn near at the end of the second half, K.J. Osborne, he makes the catch. It. We're good. <laughs> We're good. We can, we can make the field goal right here. Granted, 37 yards out, professional football kicker, Greg Joseph, indoors. <laughs> you should make that. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, why would you not try to inch – closer and get as close as you can instead of settling this coach he coaches not to lose instead of coaching to win it's time to put up or shut up yeah he's so i i think the source of frustration too and it makes sense internally is this if the if the shoe was on the other foot and the offense was scuffling and like the defense is now or just downright struggling um mike's patience there would be zero like he'd be talking sure. about it he'd be talking about what what they're not doing right he'd be ta- talking about the play calling uh to you know call back uh when flip was here he'd be talking about kirk cousins there would be something that he would address directly what he wouldn't be saying is well we're doing a lot of good things and i'm sure we'll turn this thing around but when it comes to his defense that's exactly what he says and and to go through the stats like we have on this show um, if those stats were offensive stats and this team sat at 0-2, Mike Zimmer would not be this patient. And I think that frustrates a lot of people, players, probably executives as well, perhaps all the way up the food chain, that because it's his pride and joy, he, he's going to defend it and make excuses and tell you it's going to get fixed and he's positive. But they know damn well that if that was Cousins and the offense, that he'd be singing a very different tune. And I... I I'm curious if they lose on Sunday, the only thing I think that would get him fired after let's say four games or five games would be a sense from the Wilfs that they have the opportunity still to win, that they, that this team's too good to be 0 and 5, 0 and 4, and that there is a chance to make a playoff run with a different voice, a different coach, and that getting Mike out the door would help. That would be the only way I think, that they would make a change. But I wouldn't put it past these guys to potentially, from the Wills' point of view, to potentially think that. So I think here's my theory on his job security throughout this season. There's And Judd, you've made this point. There's nobody, they don't have a Kevin Stefanski, like a head coach in waiting that they're looking to test drive. So it's not like, you, let's say you start one in four or whatever, or you know, get to the bye week and you're one in five again or something. Man, Kevin Stefanski's sitting over here. What if we just make that switch and see if Stefanski can, A, jolt the team, and then, B, audition for a head coaching job? I mean, Clint Kubiak's not auditioning for a head coaching job. Uh, Adam Adam Zimmer is not going to, after his dad would potentially get fired, is not auditioning for a head coaching job. So that's out the window. Um, I really think the only way that you would fire him is if you felt like things were so toxic behind right. the scenes. But they don't feel toxic? Like, yeah, he definitely not doesn't yet. have a great relationship with cousins, but not it's not yet. like it's not like Brad Childress, Randy Moss, you know, that like you covered that team in 2010. That was toxic. 
And, and, and that's a case where extracting the coach from the situation was just best for all involved before it turned into a big public embarrassment beyond what it was. 0-4, 0-5, that could be toxic, though. Maybe, so, like, but, that, but that's, that's the only... I think, they're, I think they're more likely to let it turn into a death march if the season goes south but, and but just figure it out in the offseason. But it won't turn into that because we know what's going to happen. After start now, they could certainly beat the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday, but let's Agreed. say they end up losing, right? Mm-hmm. We know what's going to happen, Phil, Judd, Dex. We know what's going to happen. All of a sudden, backs are against the wall, and we're going <laughs> to prove everybody wrong. They're going to go on a four-game winning streak and barely miss the playoffs, and look, we showed you. Now let's just build off of what we did last year. Yeah. That's what happens every single year, man. It's wash, rinse, repeat. It's yeah. true. I, yeah. you know what's okay. I agree with your sense, like because that is the sense, right? Like, oh, we're gonna show the world, and and, and then Kirk, and then Kirk sparks up. But I will say, but I will say this to Phil's point and Phil's word, toxic. If it goes toxic, like that's when you know that that if they don't, if if the if Mike tries that act and the players are like bleep this and bleep you, that's where you would run into a. Is it worth trying to make a change? Because this team can actually might play for a different person. I, I'm not I am not saying that they should change coaches. And I firmly believe that there's not a guy on the staff that I want to be the head coach of this team. But you know, 2010, it just became it just wasn't workable to keep Brad. Uh and I, I'm telling you right now, the one thing is the Wilfs definitely and Doogie has talked about this. The Wilfs have a belief that this is very much a playoff team that can make a playoff run. Yeah. And and oh. here's an here's another point too in terms of you know the ebbs and flows and what's going to happen here, I think and we haven't really gone all in on the look ahead to Seattle yet, but um, I think there's a good chance they beat Seattle. First of all, they're due sure. to beat Seattle for sure. God's sakes. Like it's got to sure. and they and they always play in Seattle, and this time they get seventy thousand screaming fans to their advantage. So I think there's a I think there's a decent chance they beat Seattle. Um, but the reason why this thing won't go completely off the rails is because to this point in their careers, Mike Zimmer as a head coach and Kirk Cousins as a starting quarterback, while both flawed and probably incapable of ultimately leading this team to a Super Bowl, they are train wreck proof. I mean, th- those two guys have th- th- those aren't three and four win season type guys. Mike Zimmer's train wreck seasons are seven win seasons. Kirk Cousins' train wreck seasons are seven and eight win seasons. So they're both good enough to solve some problems middle of the season. Kirk's good enough to go on a six-game stretch where he looks like an MVP candidate against the Jaguars um, and some home games, select home games. So that's why I think even if they lose to Seattle, I just it's kind of like last year. If, they, if, if, if they're all in it for the entire season, they're still going to flirt with the playoffs because they haven't shown anything other than doing that their entire careers. Sure. They they are due to beat Seattle. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat them, and then all of a sudden they're going to go on their streak. I, I just, at a certain point, we saw Green Bay last night. They looked really, really good. I mean, I know they kind of bleeped the bed against, who was that that they played? Uh, one that was Saints. the New Orleans yeah. Saints, right? Yeah, yeah okay. That was weird. That was but they weird. really, it was weird. But now they look like who we thought they were against the Detroit, and it's the Detroit Lions, Mid Campbell, all that fun stuff. But the Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they look good. The Chicago Bears, they beat the Cincinnati They beat the Bengals. They made yeah. the Bengals look human Joe Burrow. on Sunday. The Joe Joshua. Burrow, everybody, right? Their yes. defense, did, 
I, that's what infuriates me. This is a defensive head coach. Forget that. If anything else, the fact that, all right, the Vikings lost to the Arizona Cardinals 34-33 on Sunday. Nick Vigil, he had to pick six, right? So that's minus seven. Mm-hmm. Greg Joseph, if he made the extra point, they would have 27 points on offense, but whatever. The offense scored 26 points. If this defense, if you have a defensive head coach, and I don't care who you play, I don't care. If that if you are hands-off on offense, and I'm a defensive head coach, and this is what I do, if the offense spots you 26 points, you should win the game. You you really should. And I just feel like we're in this situation again compared to 2020. The difference is so far in 2021, no one's injured except Anthony Barr, which Nick Vigil, I think he's doing a fine job replacing. By the way, Nick Vigil is better than Anthony Barr, straight up 100%. I don't know if we want to have that conversation right now, but no one's injured really compared to 2020, but it's the same situation to where this offense is going to have to carry this team. This defense is towards the bottom of the league. This offense can carry the team if give it like if given the right keys and the right empowerment. You know, that like I think what gets me is this offense is amazing at play action. It's documented. Sure. Kirk Cousins is one of the, the and I'm gonna use the word elite here. He's one of the elite play action quarterbacks in the NFL as a Viking and even going back to his Washington career. And I want to say they've dropped back like 75 times this year. They've only run 15 or 16 play-action passes. Now, I get that they're in second and long, third and long a lot in that first game. And, you know, you're not going to be able to run. You're not going to run it 60 times out of 70 dropbacks. But it, why are they not leaning into the things that Kirk Cousins is great at, right? I think it's awesome that DJ Wanham has stepped up and emerged as a third wide receiver immediately. I mean, he is he's not just like, oh, a third wide receiver that can. What did I say? DJ Wanham. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> KJ Edwards. Sorry. Just out of K- nowhere. K- sorry. <laughs> Big I've, got, I've gotten into the uh the Kirill Kaprizov vodka as well tonight. Okay. So <laughs> um uh sorry, KJ Osborne has emerged as a legitimate third wide receiver, and that's fun to watch. But I'm with you like there this offense, if if the training wheels were taken off of it a little bit more often in certain situations, or if um if they if they decided in the second half that they would throttle down instead of for whatever reason getting conservative and Kirk Cousins goes into a shell in the third quarter. Like they could score 30 plus points pretty much whenever they want to, I think, but I guess we'll I, see. I feel like on Sunday too, and, and I have no idea if a call was made to the ranch in Houston to talk to the old man or not. The scripted plays on Sunday were phenomenal. The first, great. they were like, Oh yeah. my God, this yeah. is, I mean, the shot to Osborne, um, how long have we been calling for that? Like, you know, mm-hmm. play action, Delvin, Shot down the field. Uh, and, and by the way, once again, credit Kirk Cousins, you can throw that ball really well, better than most. Um, but then we got into the second half, and the, and, and the script was gone, and we couldn't call probably dad at all. Um, and uh, it dipped off a bit. And, and the one thing I love about the sport is the dissection of individual drives and things like that. Um, it's, it would, what would this conversation be like if the second to last drive by the Vikings, if the Cardinals hadn't goofed up their last drive, which was a terrible, it, it was not a drive. It, I think it was three plays and out. What would our conversation be like if that second to last drive was the Vikings last time touching the ball? 
because the because the yeah, missed field goal drive was really impressive. I really thought that was you mean like a while. when they checked down on third and seven uh, with the Amir game in line to Amir Abdullah, who was really but that's on Cousins at that point, right? But I'm just saying, say. like our conversation would be a very different conversation because sure. that last drive that unfortunately concluded with the missed field goal was a really effective, good drive offensively. Um, the check down to Amir Abdullah made me want to vomit. Yeah. <laughs> and going to – all right, let's talk about kickers for a second here. Greg Joseph. And I actually will defend Zimmer in saying that I think it's nice that he's adapted to changing his ways and saying, I'm going to defend this guy. Because the old way was not working. I will say this. I blame two people for the kicking issues. Number one, Greg Joseph. You're a kicker in the NFL, 37 yards out, indoors. You should make the kick. The second person that I blame is Rick Spielman. So just to make sure we understand each other here, I became a fan in 2000. I wasn't around for the Gary Anderson trauma in 98. I actually grew up, as far as what I remember my earliest years rooting for this team, I grew up with Ryan Longwell. I was chilling, fat and happy. Just oh, this guy's—he's—he's he's cool. Dude, he was money. He was timeline money. Wise, same thing, different sizes, but yes, timeline-wise, same thing. Randy. He was great. Yeah. Blair Walsh came along, and long before Wyatt left, I've been doing this. I've done my—I don't know if I've done my YouTube channel this long, but I know I did SoundCloud before that for five years, whatever. Long before Wyatt left, I said this dude is going to cost us some games. Blair Walsh—he was a disaster. Kai Forbath came along not that long after, and that was the one guy where I said, you know what, he's going to goof up, he's going to miss some extra points, but when you really need him to make a clutch kick, mm-hmm. he will deliver. And Judd, let me ask you something. This isn't rhetorical. This is a literal question that I'm asking you right now. I'm only saying this as someone that has followed this team for 21 years. You followed this team longer than I have. The Minneapolis Miracle, the 53-yarder by Kai Forbath. Was that not the biggest kick made in the history of this franchise? At least for me, in 20, 21 years it it's, was. It's one of them for sure. So, okay, we understand that. Yep. And right after that season, Rick Spielman, he couldn't get rid of Kai Forbath quick enough. You drafted, oh, we're going to get the sexy leg from the SEC, <laughs> <Yep>. Daniel Carlson. <laughs> And we knew good and well. We had Kai Forbath and Daniel Carlson that preseason. And Rick Spielman, that Minnesota Vikings team, they were waiting to swoop in like kids playing double dutch in recess. Just were waiting for that (laughs) one miss in the preseason. Kai Forbath made that one miss. And, oh, you know what? Thank you for all that you've done. We're moving on with Daniel Carlson. And, okay, you ended up tying against Green Bay week two that 2018 season. And week 17, you could have beat the Bears to make the playoffs, but you didn't. But, okay, going back to the main point, last week, Judd, you harped on this a little bit. You said when they brought in Kirk Cousins that it wasn't about rebuilding and figuring things out. This was the missing piece to be a championship contender. This is universally known, right? Let's keep that same energy right here. Forget the Vikings. Forget any other team in the league, a team that feels like they are going to make a deep playoff run, they're going to be championship contenders. 
what's the better situation? A kicker that has been reliable, that can deliver when you need him to do it most, or a rookie kicker? (laughs) Obviously, you're going to go with door number one, right? Door number two, that's ridiculous. But that's what the Vikings did. So ever since then, the kicking situation, it's been a circus. It's been a train wreck. So right now, this is on not only Greg Joseph, but Rick Spielman because he's still been trying to figure it out. Rick Spielman is the one guy in the world that will buy a Tesla and sit there and say, I could drive this as a car, but I'm going to use it as a skateboard. It, it, <laughs> it makes no sense. But that's what he did. I blame Greg Joseph and Rick Spielman. It's on you, bro. The Kai Forbath thing is weird, all right? And I, 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 I want to take you guys down that path in a second. We got to say... Thank you and a shout out to our friends at Surly Brewing Company. Judd, are you? Uh, what are you? What's the what's the over under three three and a half tonight? Are we over can't or under? Right three now. And a half? Can't talk about it right now. But let's just say that we have uh, been into a few this evening while watching Twins and Cubs, and that went four hours plus. So do your own math. Yes, Minnesota's Boy. favorite, Minnesota's favorite IPA, Surly, uh, is fantastic. My personal favorite, of course, the IPA, the Furious. It's the it's the beer that revolutionized. Minnesota craft beer. Don't settle. Get surly. Get surly about Vikings kickers. Get surly and be happy when you drink the beer. A shout out to to a Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They've been around for over a hundred years, helping business owners in the state of Minnesota. And uh, what they specialize in is risk management. They're like your offensive line, not quite the Vikings' rickety offensive line. They're better than that, and they can protect your business, your bottom line, and your employees. So find out how they can help your business at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. So Kai Forbath, after spending those two years with the Vikings in 16 and 17, he bounced around to Jacksonville for a year, and then he was with Dallas for like half a season. He kicked a game in New England. Then he went to the Rams in 2020 for two games. So basically, he makes that money kick in the Minneapolis Miracle game. And I agree. That's the probably the most clutch best kick in the history of Vikings football. And the entire league, not just the Vikings, looked at him and was like, eh, eh, uh, I think we're he's he's only he's only kicked in nine NFL games since the Minneapolis Miracle across 2018, 19, and 20. And uh and he's been fairly accurate. Like he doesn't miss a lot of field goals under 50 yards. The biggest issue with him is he doesn't have a huge leg. Right. Um, he doesn't make a lot of kicks beyond 50 yards. I don't care. You should be going for it more often than not when you're between like the 35 and the 50-yard line. Give me a guy. You mentioned Ryan Longwell, Randy. Ryan Longwell was not a big-legged guy that was going to kick. He's not Matt Prater. You're not going to line him up for a 61-yard field goal. You shouldn't be doing that very often anyways. Um, if, if you're going to make your kicks regularly from inside 50 yards, and you're not going to have your pulse, you know, coming through the skin of your neck because you're nervous in big situations. Then you can be my kicker. Now he did miss five extra points out of 39 attempts in 2017 for the Vikings. That was bad. That's he missed three summer. the year before, so I think missing those extra points was bad. But if he's consistent on the field goals for the most part, and he's not melting down in games like Dan Bailey did. I just like I'm not saying that you should like call Kai Forbath now that he's 35 years old, but I'm just wondering why did the entire league pass on him basically 
after that kick in the Minneapolis Miracle game. It's kind of weird. Well, he, was the perfect, he was the perfect kicker for this team. And as the Vikings, beggars can't be choosers. Not only that, Kai Forbath did an excellent job. I don't know how you can measure this, but I saw it. If he would miss a kick, Blair Walsh, if he missed a kick, he was done the rest of the game. Yeah. He was finished. He just mentally gone. And actually, he would carry it with him the following game. Yeah. Kai Forbath, he would miss a kick. He would miss an extra point, and it would be so stupid. Really, you missed that. But I bleep you not, he would show up for that next kick as if it was his first kick of the day, and he would nail it. He was one of the toughest kickers that I've seen after Ryan Longwell for this franchise that I've been watching this team for 21 years. And, okay, the rest of the league, they're skipping out on Kai Forbath, whatever, but the Vikings, <laughs> you've been getting this wrong forever, okay? Why would you go into the 2018 season believing that you're a championship contender relying on a rookie kicker? I know that Daniel Carlson now, he's fantastic. And, okay, who's to say if you were to nurture him that he wouldn't be that same guy with us, but we're talking about a head coach that didn't have the patience for a kicker. Kai Forbath was the one guy that Mike Zimmer could get up there. Oh, Kai for much like Case Keenum, Kai Forbath, Mike Zimmer could get up on that podium and say, Oh my God, Kai Forbath. He was, and Kai Forbath wouldn't even care. He would not care. That's the kicker that we needed for this team. But because we wanted the sexy leg out of the SEC and we're going to switch it up, it wasn't even a need for kicker 2018, but Rick Spielman determined that was the case. That's why we're in this situation right now. And the mistake about that was the, the fact that Rick went out and shopped for Carlson without consulting the guy that runs the team on the sideline. That's the one weird thing. So I, I think in the eventual um, obituary of the relationship between Spielman and Zimmer, it's going to be a very interesting thing because I think one of the biggest flaws is that um, there's no, no question that Mike has a huge say in um, getting defensive players. So like if Rick goes out and signs a guy or trades for a guy on defense, that's got Mike Mike's fingerprints all over it. But when you look at special teams and when you look at offense, that's Rick going out and getting guys. And they I'm not saying they don't talk about it, but I'll always go back to the clip that Phil played months ago now where, you know, in the combine in the February of 2018 before Kirk Cousins was signed as a free agent Zimmer fully knowing that they were about to pull the trigger on that basically did a soliloquy on why you don't want to pay a quarterback so much that it handicaps and and you know Daniel Carlson and I remember they drafted Carlson in the fifth round and I immediately said what are you doing drafting a college kicker for this coach like it's it's not it, it they, doesn't they they were right about him by the it way it doesn't right but they were wrong about who they gave him to would like, they have developed him into what he is now and they 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 dropped their kid off at a daycare place that <laughs> that they had paid <laughs> that they had chain, no, chain smoking that they had yeah. done no research on I just go out back kid and hope it worked <laughs> uh, I mean Daniel Carlson has go developed- make your own lunch. Daniel Carlson has developed under John Gruden. John Gruden has done a better job of somehow being patient. But my point is, 
Defensively, there's no question. Zimmer's fingerprints are all over everyone who walks in that door. Outside of that, though, and this gets back to him being a defensive coordinator, really. Outside of that, though, Rick sort of just is like, I'm going to go do this and do that. And Mike's like, I don't know about that. And Rick's like, I'll do it. That's what makes this so so maddening at times to have a coach and to have a relationship there that's really not about the entire football team. Somebody commented earlier, how has this just devolved into Kai Forbath Ventline, basically? Yeah, I don't know. This is what, this is what happens when uh, you follow the Vikings for as long as we all have. It's like yeah. you just... You just bitch about kickers. Uh, yeah, pretty much it, man. Can't beat Pete. Um, I would have six Surleys deep or zero Surleys deep. Zero chance of making of a, a 37 yard field goal. I never said I could <laughs> kick a field goal. I'm just saying if people are paid to kick field goals, we can talk about it. 100%. The base minimum for an NFL player, the minimum salary is what, half a million dollars? Yeah, if you're out there on that field, you better make that damn kick. No problem. 37 yards out. Love and it. of course, it's if over. he made. If he makes the thirty, if, if Greg Joseph makes the thirty-seven yarder, this a lot of this conversation is different. But you know that's the NFL. It, you know, it, it, if somebody doesn't do their job, it then opens up criticism for a lot of other people for why the Vikings were in that spot. Um, if you're watching this right now on the Purple Daily YouTube channel, thank you guys. And if you could click the subscribe button and also click the like button, it'll help spread the word about this show. And uh, go tell a couple friends about Purple Daily and also Realistic Randy. Go check out his YouTube channel as well uh boys any any final thoughts here let's start with randy go around the room final thoughts here as we basically say goodbye to the debacle that was the end of week two and say hello to the seahawks game on the horizon here randy the vikings will beat the seahawks and mike zimmer will say i told you so you didn't believe in us look at you now don't you feel dumb this is the master plan that I had all along to make you believe that we we wouldn't be competitive and that we wouldn't be championship contenders. I like coming back from an 0-2 start to finish and say, look at us now. That's what's going to happen. They're going to beat the Seahawks. Yeah. Rope a dope. You like how that tastes? That's what like we're going to hear. <laughs> yeah. You like that? You like how that tastes? Declan, where are you at here between between yep. these games going into week three? Well, I know we said on Ventline, especially because the Seahawks lost in pretty brutal fashion, too, on Sunday, that they're going to come in pissed off. I think the other case that the Vikings should be way more pissed off going into this game than Seattle ever is. Uh, you're 0-2. There's a very good case you should be 2-0. We've seen the win prob- probability swings on those last two plays of the game, basically, for the Vikings. They should be 2-0. They're 0-2 right now. They're going to be way more pissed off than Seattle is. I don't know if that equates to a win, but they're going to come in with their hair on fire. they got 67,000 people at U.S. Bank Stadium. They're going to be pissed off, ready to play, and I'm excited to see what happens. Judley. I love this game, and here's why. They, they are basically going to play Kyler Murray with a Ph.D., a.k.a. Russell Wilson. <laughs> and the second uh, half. Uh, very good, very good. He's gonna, very Russell Wilson's got his, got his doctorate in scrambling and keeping and, plays alive. Kyler Murray is still undergrad. Russell, <laughs> Russell Wilson is off to a statistically phenomenal start. And if the Vikings can, if the Vikings defense, especially the, the defensive line, can contain Wilson like they did Kyler Murray much more in the second half, I think they'll be in good shape and can win. If it's a repeat of the first half, Seattle's going to score points because the Vikings did a nice job of adjusting and coming out in the second half. And, you know, if you keep Kyler Murray contained or Russell contained, you've got a chance. But if they start scrambling and you're and you're chasing them and you and 
missing them, it's going to be a problem. So I really think if they can replicate what they did in the second half against the Cardinals much more against Wilson, they're going to give themselves a chance defensively to at least slow uh, slow them down. Because the crowd noise will impact this game, but Russell Wilson's not going to freak out and completely lose his bleep, which some quarterbacks who will come in here will do. This is going to be a super fun game. This is going to be, I think, another shootout. I, I think it's going to be similar in terms of score to what we saw last week. Um, I don't think Seattle's defense is going to be able to uh, hold the Vikings under 27 or 30 points. But I also don't think the Vikings defense and secondary is, <laughs> yeah. re- is, is ready to hold the Seahawks under 27 or 30 points. So it, this is going to come down to, you know, can you can you get a strip sack of Russell Wilson, or will Kirk Cousins throw an intercept? Like so, something colossal is going to happen uh, midway through the fourth quarter to sway this game, and it just depends. Is it going to be in favor of the Vikings? Uh, I would feel better about this game if the Seahawks didn't lose in dramatic fashion and melt down last week to the Titans. They blew a two touchdown lead in the fourth quarter of the Titans, and then they wound up losing in overtime, and it just kind of feels like. They're going to go back to the drawing board with some smart people and Russell Wilson and come back ready to make up for it. So as, as mad as the Vikings probably are starting 0-2, the Seahawks might be equally mad blowing that game uh, that should have had them 2-0. So, if Bashad Breeland yes. is still starting, yes. then that's going to be a problem, especially when you have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Not only that, if only two of your four starting defensive linemen are actually showing up and making plays, that's going to be a problem, especially against a quarterback like Russell Wilson. Does does Zim have the ability to put his pride in his pocket and start Dantzler? That's my question. Yeah, I think I think by activating him and putting him in the game last week, I think I, mean, I think, that's important what's, I think what's done that, is done now. But yeah. I think that was because, if I'm not mistaken, Breland got hurt back in that game, mm-hmm. so Dantzler had no choice but to play. But assuming – well, maybe that was too – but assuming that both Dantzler and Breland are both healthy, are you going to make the call and say, okay, Dantzler <laughs> over Breland? We'll see. Because if Barr is healthy, guess what? Nick Vigil, you made great place. But, yeah, we'll see you later. Four, three sets. One or go two go, go dominate special teams, Four, kid. Yeah. <laughs> Nickel, go dominate constantly, the- man. Sorry, Nick. No role for you here. The yeah, punt coverage team. You just go watch some Heath Farwell film and uh, make your make your new home on the punt coverage oh, well, team. There's a callback. Yeah. Buffalo so, Bills coordinator uh, now. That's purple after dark. Uh, also, hey, whether the Vikings win or lose, you can win up to $100,000 through the Minnesota Lottery with these Vikings scratch game tickets. So there's a $5 game that can win you up to $100,000, a $2 game that can win you up to $15,000. And if you don't win, well, you can – Win secondary prizes like Vikings tickets and other cool swag and merchandise. Just say, I'm in to Vikings scratch game tickets from the Minnesota Lottery. Must be 18 or older to play. Uh, you got a little red wine in there to finish up, Randy? Uh, no, I finished. It, it's all it's, it's all gone. gone. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Good timing. Uh, thanks to Surly Furious for helping fuel oh Judd's Vikings wow. coping cold this now? week. Yeah. <laughs> We Zolgan. need that video. We need Zolgan. Stone Cold a couple beers. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us. This has been uh, a lot of good therapy these last couple days on Purple Daily, and we'll all dust ourselves off and do it again against the Seahawks. Tomorrow, write that down and an accountability session on Purple Daily. 
That's Realistic Randy. Check out his YouTube channel. Click the subscribe button on that and this channel, and we'll see you guys next time.